Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And then the prophet Jeremiah said to Hananiah the prophet, Hear now, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you. He wasn't even given the, the, the prophet's charge. He, he wasn't sent. God never sent him. In fact, if you read in Jeremiah uh, 23, verse 9 through 40, that we were going to read, it talks all about this. Because God did not send this prophet. In fact, they were believing in prophets that God did not send. There was no authority on their life, and yet they claim to have the authority of God. Now they're sharing these things, and people are believing them. Hello and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob takes us for a walk through the Old Testament to give us a look at how false teachers and false prophets attempt to draw in those that have a thirst for God's Word. Peter says, These false teachers among us will secretly bring in destructive heresies. False teachers work secretly. It's not that their teaching is secret, but the deceptive nature of their teaching is hidden. No false teacher ever announces himself as a false teacher. And now, let's open our Bibles to Second Peter at the beginning of chapter 2 and join Pastor Rob with today's message. Verse 1, it says, If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass, of which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them. Notice, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of bondage to entice you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall put away the evil from your midst. So it's very easy when a bald-faced lie is told, but now it gets more difficult. Now you have to, re- you have to be more discerning. You have to know the word of God. If you don't know the word of God, I would encourage you to read it every single day. I'm on this wonderful Bible reading plan by Robert Murray McShane, and it's, it gets you through the Old Testament once, the New Testament uh, twice, and Psalms twice in one year. And it takes about a half hour to 35, 45 minutes to read all that material. But you know what? It's been one of the, most bless- the greatest blessings of my life to just be saturated in so much Scripture. And it goes methodically. It's really wonderful. It's a really great plan. But you have to know it. You have to know the truth so that when the error is presented before you, it'll be very easy for you to pick it out. 
You'll be able to pick it out immediately. It's sort of like, you know, seeing a red balloon in a white room. When the red balloon shows up, it's very obvious. And see, as believers, that's how false doctrine, false teaching should be to us. It should be that plain. Like we're in a white room and a red balloon appears. It should be that simple. That's why it's important that we read the Word of God, that we pray over it, that we submit our hearts to doing it. Not just to reading it, but to doing it. We have to be doers of the Word and not just hearers only, because otherwise we do what? We deceive ourselves, right? So in verse 1 it says, There are also false prophets among the people. This word is pseudo-prophetes, which literally means a pretended foreteller or a religious imposter. That's what it is. It's one who is acting the part of a divinely inspired prophet, uttering falsehoods under the name of divine prophecies. And you know false prophets have been around as long as God began to share the truth. As long as God has, from the very beginning, when he began to foretell events... And because there is absolute truth, and because there is only one God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they are one. And because there is absolute truth, there will always be those satanic beings working in the lives of false prophets and false teachers that will seek to confuse, deceive, and to lead astray. And the first one that we read about in Scripture is Satan himself. He is a liar. He is a liar. In John chapter 8, verse 44, it says, Jesus speaking to the Pharisees, he says, You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and a father of it. He's the father of lies. We see in the very beginning, you know, turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. We all know this very well. Genesis chapter 2, we're going to be beginning in verse 16. After God had created everything, he set man, Adam, in the midst of the garden. And he said to him in verse 16 of Genesis chapter 2, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree in the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Literally that means in dying you will surely die. Meaning there is a physical death that's coming, but there is also a spiritual death. And when they disobey God, they began to die spiritually. And ultimately that would lead to a physical death as well. In dying you will die. That's literally what it means. Because you've disobeyed God. And notice with me at Genesis chapter 3 now. So now the commandment has been given, but in Genesis chapter 3 it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, notice, he didn't go after the man. He didn't go after the head. He went after the weaker link. And please, ladies, don't misunderstand me. Women have qualities. Men have qualities. God made us male and female. Our roles are different. They're supposed to be different. And they are to be embraced. We ought to embrace our, those things because, honestly, I've said this before, between my wife and I, we make really one good, decent human being, I think. <laughs> Actually, by, with, me out, with me out of the picture, it's, kind of, it's really good as it is. But God created us with roles. But he goes after the woman because she is to be Adam's helper. Her, her, her constitution is different the way God made her was different, and Satan saw the weak 
the weaker of the two, and he says, I'm going right after that. That's why he goes after your kids. That's why he goes after your wives. And lastly, he'll come after you too, guys. And he'll do it all at once. He's not, a, he's not on a time, well, his time is short, but he, he doesn't care about doing things methodically. He barrages you all at once. But notice, and he said to the woman, has God indeed said? Now, God had already told Adam this, and then after that, in that chapter, he creates, he brings Eve out of Adam's side. But now he speaks to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it. And here she adds something which God didn't say, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And I can just see Satan's smile grinning, getting a little bit wider, going, wow, she's really something. She not only told the truth, but now she added something of her own. Well, let me add something to that. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Well, God must be holding back something good from me. I thought he was a good God. I thought he was going to give me everything I need. Why is he holding back from me? And the devil plants the doubt. The devil plants the doubt. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. And then the eyes of them both were open and they knew that they were naked. The, the scales fell from their eyes and now all of a sudden they realized they had lost this innocence. They had sinned against God. No longer did they have this really wonderful relationship with God. And the first deceiver, the first false teacher was the devil himself. He is the origin of it all. He is the origin. And false prophets have always been in Israel's history. Turn with me if you would. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to give you a scripture and I'm going to have you write it down and then we're going to go to someplace different. Write down Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 9 through verse 40. It's a long chapter, and I was going to read it to you this morning. But for the sake of time, I want you to read that. Because Jeremiah, God was basically giving his indictment against Judah. Why were they going to be going into captivity? Well, because their hearts were bent on idolatry. They were listening to false prophets. False prophets were prophesying false lies. And they were falling right into it. And they knew the truth, or should have known the truth, and they rather decided to rebel. But this morning, let's go to Jeremiah chapter 28. And we're just going to look at the first 17 verses of this. You remember Jeremiah was prophesying, and he was basically telling the nations around Israel, and the nation itself, Israel, to submit to the king of Babylon. Judgment is coming, but if you give in, if you don't resist him, but you go into captivity, you will live. You're going to go into a foreign land, certainly. For 70 years, you're going to spend time there, but give in, and your life will be spared, and you'll be provided for, and God will work in you in the land of Babylon. And there would be an end, a terminus to that 70-year period. And we read about that in Ezra and Nehemiah when they came back into the land after the decree of Xerxes and or Cyrus. And certainly Jeremiah tells the king Zedekiah these things. But notice in verse 
1 of chapter 28. It says, And it happened in the same year, at the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year, notice, and in the fifth month, just keep that in your head, the fifth month of that year, that Hananiah, the son of Azer, the prophet, who was from Gibeon, he spoke to me in the house of the Lord in the presence of the priests and of all the people. Now remember, Jeremiah has been saying, Submit to the king of Babylon and you will live. Allow yourself to go into captivity. Just give in and you will live. This is what God is telling them, right? So now this prophet comes. And so this prophet comes and says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, in verse 2, The God of Israel, saying, I have broken the, bo- the yoke of the king of Babylon. And here's his prophecy. Within two full years, I will bring back this place, all the vessels of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried to Babylon. And I will bring back to this place not only the, the things in the temple, the articles, but I'll also bring back Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, with all the captives of Judah, who went to Babylon, says the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. So Jeremiah is sitting there listening to this prophet tell everybody this after he's already been telling them something completely different. And I can just see Jeremiah just looking at him going, who is this guy? <laughs> so verse 5, then the prophet Jeremiah spoke to the prophet Hananiah in the presence of the priests and in the presence of all the people who stood in the house of the Lord. And the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen. The Lord do so. The Lord perform your words which you have prophesied to bring back the vessels of the Lord's house and all who were carried away captive from Babylon to this place. Nevertheless, Hear now this word that I speak in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. The prophets who have been before me and before you of old prophesied against many countries and great kingdoms of war and disaster and pestilence. As for the prophet who prophesies of peace, when the word of the prophet comes to pass, the prophet will be known as one whom the Lord has truly sent. So then Hananiah the prophet took the yoke off of the prophet Jeremiah's neck and he broke it. And Hananiah spoke in the presence of all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord, Even so, I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all the nations, within the space of two full years. And the prophet Jeremiah went his way. So there's this battle. Can you imagine? It's like a reality TV show. Jeremiah is telling them the truth. Some other, this false prophet comes and now is claiming to speak for God, claiming to be an ambassador for God, but is so far off from God. Jeremiah is saying, you got, give in to them, give in to the king of Babylon. You got 70 years, folks. This guy is saying, no, two years, everything's coming back. That would certainly be nice, wouldn't it? Now the Lord came to Jeremiah, verse 12. After Hananiah the prophet had broken the yoke from the neck of the prophet Jeremiah, saying, Go and tell Hananiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, You have broken the yokes of wood, but you have made in their place yokes of iron. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put a yoke of iron on the neck of all these nations, that they may serve Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon, and they shall serve him. And I have given him the beasts of the field also. And then the prophet Jeremiah said to Hananiah the prophet, Hear now, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you. He wasn't even given the the, the prophet's charge. He, He wasn't sent. God never sent him. In fact, if you read in Jeremiah 23, verse 9 through 40, that we were going to read, it talks all about this, because God did not send this prophet. In fact, they were believing in prophets that God did not send. There was no authority on their life, and yet they claimed to have the authority of God. Now they're sharing these things, and people are believing them. Verse 16 uh, in, our, in Jeremiah there, it says, Therefore, thus says the Lord, 
I'm sorry, let me go back to verse 15. And the prophet Jeremiah said to Hananiah the prophet, Hear now, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, but you make this people trust in a lie. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will cast you from the face of the earth. This year you shall die because you have taught rebellion against the Lord. And so Hananiah the prophet died the same year in the seventh month. Remember in the beginning verses that we looked at? It was in the fifth month. So this prophet lived another two years, and the God allowed him to expire as judgment. I think God is pretty serious about his word. And so when Peter here is talking in verse 1 of Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1, but there were also false prophets among the people, these are the prophets he is referring to, at least. And again, please read Jeremiah chapter 23, 9 through 40. It's a long, long chapter, and it's really wonderful, but it's not easy to read. But there were also, you notice in verse 1 back here in chapter 2 of Second Peter, it says there will even be false teachers among you. So Peter is telling them, just as there were false prophets in Israel, folks, there are going to be false teachers among you also who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul, talking to his young protege Timothy, says, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, notice the exhortation, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, do these things, convince, rebuke, exhort, with all long-suffering and teaching. Notice verse 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Does that sound familiar? We live in those days, folks. It's worse now than it's ever been. There are so many false teachers in the world today, even within the church. And pray for me that I would stay true to the word of God. It's my great passion. I would rather die. <laughs> I mean, I'll make mistakes and I'll misquote a passage, but that's not necessarily false doctrine. But you know what I'm talking about, false teaching. Not making mistakes, but holding on to a doctrine that's not in the Bible. Holding on to things that aren't true. Going against the things that are very clearly in the Scripture. He says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, notice, because they have itching ears, and they will heap up for themselves teachers. We see that today. YouTube is filled with so much garbage. I would encourage you, if you have a, a habit of going on YouTube to be fed spiritually, I would encourage you to stop. Unless that teacher is a good teacher. And how are you going to know a good teacher from a bad teacher? One who's in the Word of God often and teaching you line by line, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, not just giving you current events, not just giving you some topical. There's nothing against topicals. But when that's all that you do, you're missing everything. You're picking out the chocolate stuff from all the other stuff. You're picking out, you're cherry-picking things. No, we have to read all of it, folks. That's where God made it that way. It's a book. Read it from beginning to end. It's supposed to be that way. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to fables. And that's what's happening. Have you heard of the Mormon religion? I was reading about that recently when we were camping a couple of weeks ago. I was just sitting in the tent, and our, or not in the tent, our camper, and I was reading about the foundation of the Mormon faith. It's ridiculous. There are so many holes, folks, if you look at it. I mean, all the secrecy and all this, you know, oh, you can't see it. I've got it covered. You can't look at it. It's, you know, and, and only certain pure people are allowed to look at the tablets. Where are the tablets? Don't know. 
People have claimed to see them, but I don't know. I'm serious. You read it. It's very convoluted. And yet people, millions of people, are putting their faith in the prophet Moroni. (laughs) They've turned aside to fables. He says, but you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. And do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. But this is happening today. People are not enduring sound doctrine, but rather giving in to teachers and ministries that aren't teaching the word of God faithfully, but instead twisting the scriptures to their own liking, to their own persons, to their own purposes. They're not obedient. Pray that God will give you the grace to be obedient. It's one thing to just listen, but you know as well as I do, I need to listen but I need to do something with it. Really, that's where the power comes from, is when you actually step out and do something that God has said, and you see the benefit of it. It's going to go against all of your emotions sometimes. It's going to go against everything that's logical. But you trust God and don't care what anyone else thinks. You do the right thing always. You follow him with all of your heart like Flint. You just stay on the course because you will be the most blessed and happy people or happy person. And everyone else is going to be screaming at you, even people in the church. But there are those who willingly refuse to obey what the scripture says very clearly. Willingly ignorant, they embrace unity and equality at the expense of truth. And I can tell you that God is not into that. He won't bless it. Even if the movement, or whatever it is, is seemingly growing. Growth doesn't mean godliness. Great growth doesn't mean that God is in it. Especially today, some of the biggest growing churches in America today are led by pastors who don't even believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Shame on them. But notice in verse 1 there, they will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them. A heresy is a belief or an opinion contrary to Christian doctrine. They'll believe heresies. I remember just recently I was watching a, a video of Joel Osteen on Larry King Live. And Larry King asked him very specifically, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way? And I couldn't believe what I was hearing after that. Because Joel Olstein now is like a cat on a hot tin roof, dancing all around the topic, dancing all around. And he should have just said, yes, I believe that, because the Bible says it is. Give him quote, chapter and verse. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. Next question. <laughs> But he was dancing, dancing. Well, I don't think it's right for me to judge. I don't think it's right for me to say, well, you know, what's true. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This opportunity in front of millions of people. False teacher. Just a little small white lie. That is the bait of Satan. 90% truth, 10% lie. And some false teachers are 100% lie. They don't even, they're not even ashamed of it anymore. And people who don't know the word of God just get caught right into it because, man, everybody's following. It must be the right thing to do. Well, might doesn't always mean right. Might does not make right. I don't care how many people are involved in it. The Bible is all about the remnant. Have you ever noticed that in the Bible? There's a theme in the Bible. It's always the remnant, a small group of people who have come out of the larger thing that everybody's embracing. That is what the Bible is all about, a remnant. Come out of her, my people, and don't be partaker of her sins. Right? A little leaven leavens the whole lump. 
and many, verse 2, will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in Peter's second epistle. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.